and welcome to today's episode where I am reading Neville Goddard's lecture titled In Praise of Wisdom from 1965. Tonight's subject is In Praise of Wisdom. The Bible speaks of two entirely different types, the wisdom of this world which they claim is foolishness in the eyes of God, and then the wisdom of God which is foolishness in the eyes of man. But the road to the wisdom of God is the great secret of God. It's not through some initiation ceremony or philosophical instruction, but through the highest gift of the Spirit, which is love. With this as your guide, you can't go wrong. Wisdom in the scriptures is personified as a little child, and you will read it in the 8th chapter of the book of Proverbs, from the 22nd verse through the 36th. I was his possession before he brought forth anything, before the heavens were established, before the earth was established. I was beside him as a little child, and daily I was his delight, rejoicing in in his inhabited world and rejoicing in the sons of men. Listen to me, my sons, and keep my ways. He who finds me finds life and obtains the favor of God. He who misses me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Now here is this personification of wisdom, a little child. We're told in scripture, wisdom is justified by her children, Luke 7.35. So here we see wisdom now becoming apparent, bringing forth itself personified as a little child. So when it brings forth itself in an entirely different world, this wisdom is altogether different. The one in whom the child appears does not differ from what he was one second before. If he never went to college, he cannot think he did good or he did go to to one. And what he knew in this world of Caesar, he knows no more. If he was all thumbs when he started to put a stamp on an envelope, He still remembers, or he still remains all thumbs. He cannot enter any conversation with the wisdom of this world beyond what he was when it happened to him. What happened to him will lead him into an entirely different world and will appear foolishness in the eyes of this world. So he is no wiser in the eyes of the people of Caesar. And what he stepped into begins to expand rapidly, and he comes into all kinds of things that he cannot even discern. He'll discuss it, but only a few will be able to understand him. What he is discussing is not only a wisdom beyond the wisdom of this world, but a power beyond the wildest dream of the power of this world. Now, you and I would not, because electricity could be dangerous, uh, cease to use it. We know that it's fatal if misused. You and I wouldn't stop driving a car because every five, Every year, 50,000 Americans alone are killed on the highways through cars. How many hundreds of thousands are injured and some very seriously? Many of them, but we still drive cars. So because the power we use on Caesar's level, if I misused, becomes fatal and dangerous, we don't stop using it. Well, this power of which I speak is infinitely more dangerous, but we have to experiment. And you're not going to stop using it because it is dangerous. So tonight we come down to the one use of it where it cannot hurt you. 
It cannot hurt you if you realize that the road to this power, the road to this wisdom of God, is through the highest gift of the Spirit, which is love. Now, last Tuesday night, I told you the story of a friend of mine, and many of you were present. I think you can catch what I said, even without going over the story itself. In a vision which he shared with us, because he shared it with me and I shared it with you, he was told in vision to use his imagination for another in the same way he uses it when he writes a story. Well, he's a professional writer and writes stories daily. Well, in this writing of a story, on the level of Caesar, he has to play all the parts to make it natural. So when he makes a love scene or dramatizes a love scene, he has to make love to himself. And he said in his letter to me, slap himself, slap himself in the face if the situation calls for it. So with this in mind, all in a dream, he thought he would try it. And he tried it with two that he mentioned and said, person after person, who the persons were, I do not know. With the, his success in these, I hope many of you are friendly enough with him to be brought into his sphere to use you in the experiment. Now, he wrote me a letter, which I told you, but I didn't tell the end of it. I didn't realize what was written on the very end in the script was part of it. So he wrote me another letter, which I got a day after. Well, the story is this. In his experience, he left his body and did what he would in a play and assumed the body of the woman he wanted to help. He became not only another person, but another sex, for the one he wanted to help was a young woman. In this, her immediate need, the most pressing need, was a car. <clears throat> so after putting on the personality of the young woman, looked into the mirror and pronounced herself beautiful, because he is not the man now. He is a young woman. Then he tripped out onto the street where the new car was waiting, got against his, got into the car and drove off. Sitting in the form of a woman, this woman, with the whole wind blowing against his face. Then after enjoying the ride with a few little moments of discomfort, when his high heels were not quite what he was accustomed to wearing, and so then he pulled over to the curb and parked the car got out of the body of the woman now, looked at the woman sitting behind the wheel, and she gave him this radiant, glorious smile. And that was it, that scene. So the very next day, he goes to the restaurant where this young lady works, and she, in a moment of excitement, took him, took him and his wife out to show them the car. It's the make of the car, the color of the car, the top was down. <clears throat> Everyone with a thing like this would like to know, well, how did she get it? Well, since she did not have a car, she had not uh, been visiting her mother. Her mother, knowing the reason for the lack of visits, was owning a car, sent her this unexpected gift of money, which she then put down on the new car, <clears throat> the make, the color, and the convertible, the top down. The mother said to my friend, because on Easter Day, when they drove out to him, and called on him and said it was really a very selfish gift because I hadn't seen her as often as I'd like to see her. I gave her the money that would permit her to get the means of seeing, more, seeing me more often, which is a car. And so they always justified these things on the level of Caesar. But it was on that level this whole thing started. He gave her what she did not have either the strength or the faith to give herself. 
now, because she has a car, she wants to disengage herself from a relationship, which has been present in the interim, from one who works in the same restaurant playing music. He's a musician, a man much older than she, but he has been kind. He's been very considerate. He might have had ulterior motives that I, that I do not know. He did propose marriage, but she declined and said, uh, no, let us remain friends. But he would take her home every night when she worked late and take her to the, her apartment where she lives and then would allow her to use the car in the course of the day. Then, as it went on from weeks to months and months to months, he not only would take her home but would suggest that he would come in and sit and rest for a while, which he did, and that became a habit to the point of even receiving an extra key that he may use the apartment in her absence. But now with her car and this new freedom, she doesn't want this to continue. So she said to my friend, who was so successful in this, I don't want him hurt. I want him out of my life, but no hurt. He has been kind. He has been sweet. He has been generous. He's been everything that's been lovely. Only I want this to come to an end without any or without the hurt of this person. My friend, being very human, as we all are, for anyone wearing these garments are wearing garments of animals may i tell you anyone in this world no matter the so-called holy man when he tells you how holy he is don't trust him through the door don't for one moment trust him even with an extra dollar because while you wear these garments you are subjected to the animal power so he said in his letter to me i love her in the same way you love your daughter vicky well, that's really doing something, because if anyone could take a total stranger who waits on his table and love her to the degree and with the same af uh, affection that I love my Vicky, I take my hat off to him, because I breathe with her. I take her every hurt to be my hurt. And if you are the father of a daughter among sons, forget the sons, but of the daughters, you know what I mean when it comes to a daughter, at least in my case. <clears throat> And so, he said, when I heard of this relationship, it so annoyed me that I think I must have been in some strange way, as you would be over Vicky, jealous of his monopolizing the time and the affection of this girl. So I thought I would do exactly what she asked me, to free her. Now remember, she wanted him out of her life without hurt. That was her desire. She appreciated his affection his tenderness, his consideration, his generosity, all these things. But then when he got into her body and became that being, he wasn't playing two parts. He severed himself from his body and took possession of her personality, her mask. And then when it came to severing this relationship, he felt a great love when he entered her body. He said, I can enter anyone's body with love. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. So I got into this body, and then came the request for complete freedom from this relationship. At that moment, instead of being kind, I treated him as you would scum. In other words, I even found myself using a physical gesture, which I noticed one day she used in the restaurant when a man tried to be uh, offensive, and she turned up her nose with a flick of the hand. What that meant, I don't know. I suggested that she simply expelled him like something obnoxious, something that was offensive from her. It was a complete expulsion from her uh, from her being by the turning of the nose up and some flick of the hand. 
in this at this lady, for I'm not the man, I am this being. I did the same thing. Now that's not what she wanted me to do, but I did it. I completely expelled him from my life, as though he were obnoxious. But now here came the horror of horrors. I couldn't get out of that. I am completely Beth. I can't get out of her. And for six hours I struggled and wrestled with myself to point where my wife said to me, Who are you? I was panicked. I was scared to death that I would find myself in the nuthouse thinking I'm a girl. No one would know that what I did to produce this, and yet I couldn't get out of Beth. I am Beth. I am this young woman. Finally, how I do not know, but finally after six hours of labor and struggle, somehow I got out. How I don't know. I was so exhausted I fell into a sleep and slept for twelve hours, twelve unbroken hours. But at the very end of it was worth it. For the most heavenly voice of love spoke to me, and it said, I have restored my soul. I am now gathering my own in love, in beauty, and in joy. And that was it. So, said he in a letter to me, Having had this experience, Neville, I wish you would caution the class and tell them not at any time to exercise their imagination, save they exercise it in love. For they will be trapped as I was trapped. I moved into it willingly and eagerly through love, but but when once in it, something in, because she did not request this. When I brought about the divorce of the two, she requested the whole thing would be severed amicably, in a loving manner, fully appreciated for what he had done at the time he played that part, but he will play no further part of my life. He, moved by some other feeling of ill will, exercised ill will while in her body and became locked in it. So he was big enough and generous enough to share with me his own experience that I may share it with you and warn you that when you are going to exercise this enormous power for another, which is not on this level at all, do it in love and you'll never go wrong. It's so altogether different, as we're told in the ninth chapter of, of the book of Jeremiah. We read these words, Let not the wise glory in his wisdom let not the mighty glory in his might, let not the rich glory in his riches, but let him who glorifies glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices kindness, justice, and righteousness. For in these I delight, verse 23. Now he can't practice these save outside of a man. A man is his agent. I delight in men who practice kindness, justice, and righteousness. And every time that we do this, he delights in us and rejoices in us. And so the wisdom of the world is foolishness in the eyes of God. The might of this world is as nothing in the eyes of God. The riches of this world, that's nothing in the eyes of God. But you take these qualities, kindness, and you take justice, and you take righteousness, which is right thinking, and he delights in these, saith the Lord. And he's promised to share with me one other things. And he must be frightfully busy taking others' form. What he said in his letter to me. When these fantastic results appear, I will tell you about them. <clears throat> They've already begun to appear. How intense he was in wearing the personality of others. This is the only one I know of where while in it he acted in, well, in an ill will manner. <clears throat> Excuse me, but if he doesn't act... And now he knows he shouldn't, for he can be locked in it and trapped. 
completely trapped. So, by his own words, he said, It's so easy to get into any personality if I do it through love. It's like the sperm, for what is the sperm but the creative power of God? The sperm passes through the surface of the shell easily, and yet on the surface of the shell there is no hole, no opening, either before or after fertilization. So, he goes in like the sperm of God, for what is the sperm of God? Just Jesus Christ? It's called the seed. And your seed, who is Jesus Christ? Galatians 3.16, King James Version. So he speaks to your seed, your creative power. Your creative power is your own wonderful human imagination. And it's so easy to pass through the surface of the egg. Well, the egg in this case is this woman or the man, Eddie, or you, or me, or anyone that he selects to fructify it, as it were, to fertilize with a new concept of self where it hatches out in a way unknown to the rational mind. If he so loves you that he would like to give you a lift in this world, having exercised this power, he would find it very easy if love moves him to possess your personality. And while you then assume for you as himself whatever he desired for you, if it is done in love, he will not be trapped in you, and he will move out of it having fertilized it and leave it to hatch out. It will hatch out. No power in the world can stop it. This is the power of which I speak, that is Christ Jesus. There's no power on earth comparable to it. There's nothing here. Talk about nuclear energy, and talk of this power and that power. There's nothing comparable to this. Talk of wisdom in this world. No, if you take the catalog of wisdom and put it against those that he designated in Scripture, the 12th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> and he mentions all the states as they come down from on high, verse 28. The first is the apostle, and the second is the prophet. And the third, the teacher, the fourth, the worker of miracles, the fifth, the healer. He comes all the way down, the administrator. And the last is the speaker of many tongues. No glossolalia, I think that's a word that people speak of today, the scholars of the world, excuse me, the most brilliant minds of the world, comes under the heading of many tongues, and that's the eighth segment. So you, if the child is born and you stand in the presence of the risen Christ, and you are sent, as you will be sent, if you stand in his presence, you are automatically sent doesn't mean that you are any wiser than you were before. It only means you are now sent and you stand <clears throat> at the top with an, with an enormous power at your command, unknown to those who speak in many tongues. You can't enter their sphere. You do not know now, but all that you know now is something beyond what they know now. And may I tell you, to play the part now, having shut out all of these other levels, they are contained within you. But you purposely had to shut them out when you come into the world at this moment in time to be born from above. They all return because the law is contained in the one above it. And the two contained in the one above it. And the three contained in the one above it. And finally all are contained in the apostle. But he has to shut out everything below him to play this part. So he comes into the world, all these within him, all contained, but he has to shut them out. 
I only know when I stood in the class with Abdullah, I knew not one word of Hebrew, but not one word. When I was criticized, or he was criticized, for bringing me to the blackboard uh, to instruct this class in Hebrew, I'd only been there a few months. And this one who spoke Hebrew and taught Hebrew, and then he criticized Abdullah for taking up his time. With taking this novice at the blackboard to describe Hebrew, Abdullah said, You do not know who he is, neither does he remember who he is. If you only knew who he was, you would sit right now at his feet. But you don't know who he is, neither does he remember who he is. Then six months later, I was instructing this man who taught Hebrew. It came back, it came from the depths of my soul, but then shut up once more. And that was not the part I had to play. The part to play here and came to play here is simply to tell the story of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ being your own wonderful human imagination. When it begins to stir and really stirs, it's a power beyond the wildest dream of man. No man on earth knows its power. If you take someone and take off your being, what person in this world would believe you could disengage yourself from your own being and assume the personality of another? And while you are now one with that personality, move into a car waiting for you on the curb and get into the car dressed in a skirt and wearing the personality of a girl while you formerly uh, were a man and drive that with the wind against your hair and pull the car to the curb and then get out of that personality and look at it from the sidewalk and wave at it and see this glorious smile on her face to find the very next day she has that car that make that color and it's convertible and the top is down do you know of any power on earth like that there's no power in this world comparable to it yet it remains a foolish power in the eye of the wise so you're told that to the Jew, meaning not a person of a certain race, it means a certain state of mind. It's a stumbling block. They can't grasp it. And to the Greek, meaning not that you were born in Greece, but to those who are called wise people, the intellectuals of the world, it's all foolishness. First Corinthians one twenty three. So they would not even listen, far less try it, so they wouldn't even try it. They are, they are the giants of the world. They're all honored, so they wear all over uh, their breasts the honors. But they come at the very bottom of the list of those designated in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. They are the ones who are the great interpreters of the world, the great, the great translators of the world, they're the great scholars of the world. And so, erudite, they can tell you exactly what it meant originally and give you wonderful things, and they're all part of the structure. For without them, to give to one who was singled out for a purpose, he wouldn't know the ancient script in its present form, which language he didn't speak when he was here at a certain moment in time. And so they give it to him in a language that now he's assumed to tell the story, the story of Christ. So I say to you, listen to him carefully, and use it only lovingly. For if you don't, you not only will be trapped, I wonder how many people tonight are in the institutions of the world uh, telling others that they are Napoleon, that they are this, that, that, and the other, who slipped into these personalities and became trapped. 
they did not slip in with love or if they did while they were in it they took on the personality of ill will as one of napoleon would he was simply in one of his letters when he wrote to his girlfriend back in paris josephine and said i lost twelve hundred men today no one of importance twelve hundred men but no one of importance well that attitude unsurping that personality you certainly wouldn't be as you felt it and became lost in it you would have nothing but ill will and you'd be trapped in it and then they'd put you into the little nut house because you being john brown are telling the people of the world that you are napoleon so how many are now in these states completely lost and trapped and can't get out but i ask you would you give up the use of electricity because the misuse is dangerous would you give up flying in a plane because there are occasional crashes and all go down well even a ship at sea may be safer but they do go down and hundreds are lost and so would you give up this pleasure of traveling across oceans or flying across oceans sitting in a car because these are accidents and because uh, something could go wrong today with the electrical setup and the house could burn down but if you rebuild the house because one burnt from a short circuit you aren't going to give it up you're going to put it back again and hope you'll do a better job the next time better insulation or something well the same thing is true of this so he shared with us again his own experience and that and that is he he can get into any personality just as easily as anything in the world like going through the door it's so easy for him to assume uh, your personality but he knows not when you request something in love he must not alter it he must if he does take your case and do it he'll do it uh, that's called in the state the miracle worker it's very high in ranking you read it in the 12th chapter you'll see it in the fourth one very high first corinthians twelve ten. it doesn't mean he can't reach it for the teacher is the third and it doesn't mean he can't prophesy your tomorrow because he did it with beth he inwardly knew she was going to get that car because she had the car so the prophet is there too and the apostle he simply waits the moment when he stands before the risen christ no one is in line for the apostle apostolic succession by any putting on a physical hand so when certain groups of this world claim that they are from peter down or they got into closed doors and voted in the same way that we vote here for president and they call themselves the uh, apostolic succession forget it no one is sent out by the risen christ who does not first stand in his presence when you stand in his presence the answer to the question is always love for you stand in the presence of infinite love and he asks you what is the greatest thing in the world and you will answer love he will embrace you and you will fuse with the body of love an infinite body of love and by his side is the personification of infinite power you will know you will exercise power to the degree that you love for there's nothing greater than love love is the greatest but here is power the personification of infinite might sitting right here but here standing before you now you are one with him and you're sent out to act 
but you act only in love because if you act in love, you are never trapped, never trapped. If you act not in love, you run the risk of being trapped. He said, I was scared to death that I'd be found in some nut house thinking that I am a girl. And he meant it, every word of it. So he's big enough, in spite of his position in the professional field, to share with us this. And I want to thank him for it, and I want to thank you for coming and also caution you when you go out to test it. And if you test it, that you use only love when you exercise this power. The story is given to us, do unto others, what you would have them do unto you. Can't go wrong. Would I want it done to me? No? Well, then don't do it unto you. You can't go wrong if that is your mark by which you exercise this power. Well, when a man can sit here tonight and tell me that he finds it so easy, the easiest thing in the world to pass through the surface of a being and occupy it personally, that man is so high in the levels. For I can say to you, yes, this presence has been born in him, completely born in him, and so wisdom is justified by her children. Wisdom is the personification of God's might and power and wisdom that is God, or wisdom that is called Christ Jesus. For Christ Jesus brings forth in us himself, symbolized as a child, that has been brought forth in him. And so the child has been brought forth. So the wisdom is there and the power is there. At the present moment, he's now exercising the miracle power. But it doesn't mean when you exercise one, you can't exercise the others, because the highest has been brought forth in him. If he hasn't yet stood in the presence of the risen Christ, it doesn't matter. He still can prophesy what's going to happen. Therefore, he's standing on the second level. He can teach it. That's the third level. They're all contained one within the other, and you'll find them all contained within the apostle. And he is contained within Christ Jesus. So he sent him out from himself. So tonight you take it seriously, and don't for one moment think anything is impossible to this power. There's nothing impossible to the power. So whatever is asked of you, accept it and do it in love. Experiment. You won't hurt yourself and you won't hurt the other if you do it in love. Expect no return as to pay. Expect nothing but the success of what you do. Don't do it for one nickel. Don't do it for anything in this world. Just do it for the joy of doing it. For what was his delight? He said, my delight, I delight in kindness, in justice, in righteousness, in these things I delight. So if you are rich, don't joy and glory in your riches. That's nothing compared to what really is in store for you. For all the riches in the world would be as nothing to what's really in store for you. He said, the earth is mine and the fullness thereof. The cattle on a thousand hills are mine. Were I hungry, were I, hungry I wouldn't tell you. I would slay and eat. Psalms fifty, ten, and 12. It's all mine. So this is as nothing compared to what has already been prepared for those who awaken into the new age. So you take this, it belongs to the new age. What he did doesn't belong to this world. You see it exercised in this world. For in this statement he said, I do this in earth. In the ninth chapter of Jeremiah, verse 24, he uses that little phrase wisely, in the earth I do it here that you may see. But it belongs to a new age, an entirely different world. So while we are here, we exercise and simply prove this power and prove this wisdom. 
it doesn't make sense. The average person tonight who is considered a brilliant mind, if he sat here at the end, if he's a cultured person, he would, wouldn't scream while I'm talking. But when he got out of the place, he'd say, why, that's a nut house. I mean, that would be the impression of those <clears throat> who are brilliant in mind. It's a nut house. And yet the people who are here are well-dressed and they seem intelligent. You mean the same people come all the time? They'd ask a thousand questions about this because the wisdom of this world is foolishness in the eyes of God, but vice versa. The wisdom of God is foolishness in the eyes of man. You read it carefully in the first Corinthians, the very first chapter. He said, when I came, having been exposed to the risen Christ, I came determined to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. Verse 2, 2. And he calls it the cross of Christ, which was the power of God. While the cross of Christ is the power of God, it doesn't make sense. All of a sudden, it is in you. This is the cross, the body. You discover something moving in you, and you can just disengage from this and put it upon another cross, and give yourself to that cross. Now listen to these words. No one takes away my life. I lay it down myself. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right uh, to receive it again. John ten eighteen. So let no one take away my life. So he actually put his life out. To become someone else is to extinguish oneself. Is it not? In effect, to die, he died and yet not truly died. That's what we are told. You will die, but not really die. Genesis 3, 3 and 4. So he died. He gave up his personality and took upon himself another. He knows exactly what the 10th chapter of John means now. No one takes away my life. I lay it down myself. He did. He deliberately put his personality aside and assumed the personality of another. And having done that, he died. He died to his personality and lived in another. While he lived to the other, he gave it gifts and gave it gifts. But the one who does all things in infinite love. So the moment he departed from the gift of giving love or giving loving things and exercised intellectual ill will, he was trapped and he couldn't get out and struggled for six hours. You know, what would it be that you can't get out of a personality that is a feminine body and yet you are a male? What doctor in this world would believe it? I am surrounded in my little island of Barbados with doctors. I have doctors all over this country who are relatives by marriage, and not one of them, my brother graduated a psychiatrist, practiced with the mental institution in Barbados for 15 years. Do you think he would believe it? He wouldn't dream of this story tonight, that someone could get out in an act of service and then while in it be moved by some little ill will towards uh, one he thought had monopolized this one's life, and then by acting in that manner, he'd be trapped. Could he believe it? So he had his six years at McGill University in Montreal and two years at a university in London in tropical disease. Eight years in the great universities practiced. He's a year my senior, all of his life in medicine. And yet he wouldn't for one second believe it. He would treat, he would treat anyone of that nature as a whole vast world treats the snake pit and that's what it is but he's big enough and I think uh and I thank him from the bottom of my soul for sharing with us his experience that he may stop us if we have any hesitation don't you do it 
don't enter into the chamber of the other and do anything for them if within that chamber what you have to do is going to in any way arouse ill will for you may be trapped if you're trapped how are you going to explain to any man in the world of caesar that will satisfy their reason that you are really someone other than what you are pretending that you are you now are saying that you are a girl and yet your body reveals you to be a man and so they'll put you away for safekeeping so here we're dealing with a power unknown to mortal man we're dealing with a wisdom unknown to mortal man there are other stories he told me and it's too late to even begin to tell them all in conflict conflict with human wisdom all but much too long to go into but i have his permission to tell them when the mood possesses me to tell them but it's too late now all based upon simply possessing the personality of another and doing for them what they haven't the faith to do for themselves now let us go into the silence all right thank you so much for joining me for today's episode titled in praise of wisdom from 1965 and i will see you all next time bye now